This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm your host, Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Love by Nerd, and I'm joined with Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Yo, what's up? I'm Chris, and I am the chief executive nerd with Love Thy Nerd, and uh, this is Humans of Gaming, where we like to have designers and developers, people that make the games we love. Uh, we invite them on here and ask them really, really personal questions <laughs> and get to know them a little bit, you know, because... A lot of times the only questions these these folks are asked are about the thing they made, not about who they are as people. So we try to get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. So let's start this out by asking our guest about the thing that he made. Yeah. <laughs> things, <laughs> things. Now, our special guest is Henry Audubon. Hey, Henry, how are you? I'm doing well. You guys have such great uh, titles. I feel like I need to construct a title for myself. We can you know? give you one. Um, chief, chief uh, Audubon nerd. Perfect. It'll, well, <laughs> I don't okay? know about perfect. It'll, it'll serve for now. Well, <laughs> so you, you made me do it on you. the spot. That's as best as I can do. Thank you. Yeah. So what is Audubon? What is that name? Is that German? I just think of the German Audubon. I don't know the, the etymology of that name. It's do my you? middle, it's my middle name <clears throat> and I'm named after my, uh, great grandfather. Okay. So my full name is Henry Audubon Butler II. Uh, so, but I just Ooh, go, I just, trunc- I just truncate it to Henry Audubon just for my kind of public facing name. Gotcha. And, um, yeah, it's a completely different etymological origin than the Autobahn road in Germany. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. my, uh, great grandfather uh, was. I've always thought that that was spelled the way you spell your last name, the, the uh, famous nope. German highway, but. I know very little about it, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, my name basically comes from uh, the artist, uh, John James Audubon, who d- drew all the all the birds who were actually oh, uh, yeah. dead, kind of uh, taxidermy <laughs> statues. Oh, wow. you know? It's a little wow, bit... What, un- an, un- what an honor. Yeah, it's a little unnerving, actually, for me to look at his artwork, knowing uh, the kind of gruesome truth behind it. But um, anyways, my great grandfather's parents were big fans of that artist, so they gave him that yeah. middle name, and now I've now I've got it. Okay, interesting. And so, did you um, did were your parents like into birds or something? Or, no, no, they just <laughs> no. But I have a lot of artists in my family. I mean, especially my grandparents and my uh, yeah, that generation. Uh, yeah, a lot of painters and whatnot. So, okay, there's an interest in art, but not particularly yeah. in in ornithology. I gotcha. So I have more questions about that, but I feel like we should frame who you are for our listeners first. So you've made some board games, uh, Space Park, and then most recently you're very, very soon you'll be releasing uh, Parks. So yeah, how do you, when people ask you what you do in the in the board games, in the games industry, what, what how do you answer that? Well, I'm a game designer, so that means that I'm primarily interested in gameplay and rules and trying to create interesting systems for people to enjoy. Um, you know, my target audience is human beings, but I can imagine games being made <laughs> for other entities as well. Okay. You know, dogs or AI supercomputers, yeah. but I, I target human beings. And um, thank you. We have someone who works on our team that makes games for animals. So that is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, I'd love to pivot into that space at some point if the whole, games for human thing doesn't work out yeah yeah maybe dogs are an easier audience maybe who knows or aliens you know i'd like to yeah if we encounter extraterrestrials i'd love to make games that we could play with them you know yeah games games can bring people together you know so this might be our only chance at intergalactic peace they kind (laughs) of did that in uh the arrival movie right they kind of made a way did you guys watch arrival yeah well, yeah, she kind of understands their language. And... Yeah. Well, it's kind of a game. Oh, I'm trying to remember the movie exactly, but, you know, there's some interaction there. Like, it's a it's a barely a game. Well, it's yeah, close. it's true. I mean, they can't communicate at all at first. And then I think maybe if they had set a board game down in between them, you know, maybe they would have gotten started a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. 
Cool. So, so you're a board game designer, and you've was Space Park was your first game? It's my first published game. First published yeah. game. Okay. Yeah, but you know, behind it in its wake is a whole, uh, you know, trail of destruction, <laughs> <laughs> broken games just overflowing from my closet. That's yeah. I think that's pretty I think common. That's, that's a, yeah, I think that's not an uncommon story among designers. But uh, you know, actually, I got my before I got really into board games, I was. Uh, making like little video games really enjoy uh, like doing game jams and just throwing together uh, simple small scale video game projects yeah and i haven't been doing that as much in recent years just because the kind of board game thing has taken off a little bit more but um yeah so i don't regard myself just purely as a as a board game designer i'm really interested Mm -hmm. in just games in general regardless of what kind of medium they're instantiated in you know what I'm kind of uh like what kind of video games were you into making or are into making just well I, I, like i said i love doing game jams where there will be some sort of a constraint or a, or a theme or something mm-hmm. that is suggested at the start of the at the jam which might last for 48 hours or for a whole week or whatever and then you kind of make a game that tailors to that that theme or whatever the suggestion is so um i you know, would be interested in making any kind of video game from kind of platformers to shooters to strategy games to little micro card games or, you know, anything or new stuff, too. I mean, I, I, I like to be experimental and, you know, but I'm kind of constrained in certain ways by my uh, programming skills, which I'm very, very much an amateur programmer and an amateur uh, artist as well. So just keep the scale of the project in check and just do what I can actually manage. Anyways, yeah. How did you get into making games? Like, where did that interest uh, blossom for you? I have always been interested in games. Like, some of my strongest early childhood memories are are playing games and thinking about games and just daydreaming about them. And uh, I guess, though, my real start into game design, I would say, was uh, playing tabletop RPGs and kind of uh, being the game master for my local group you know like my neighborhood yeah. friends mm-hmm. and uh when i yeah i mean we started really young and at that time I, I wasn't even aware that there was such a thing as like pre-written adventures and modules and stuff that people would would run so mm-hmm. to me i just thought it was always about just creating your own stories that might have you know their own kind of systems that would need to be invented or designed so that was i think where i kind of got my start in a way was uh you know, while I was supposed to be doing other things in school, I was just <laughs> yeah. like sketching out dungeons and, you know, coming up with weird riddles for my friends yeah. to think about. Yeah. yeah. So, um, That's great. but then it wasn't until I think college, uh, which for me was a little, a little over 10 years ago that I really got my first, well, that I really started trying to make, you know, proper strategy board games. Uh, I hadn't really attempted that before. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. And so, uh, so D and D was was that what you were doing? D and D or just all kinds of like tabletop role playing stuff? We did some D and D. We played a ton of Star Wars, like the West End games, uh, D six version of Star Wars. We did a lot of that. Played other games. I mean, we dabbled in like Feng Shui, which was a uh, an, a kind of an eighties martial arts movie um, mm. game that was really fun. And then we also, I mean, I I made some of my own role-playing games that were probably pretty simplistic, like looking back on them. But, you know, sometimes we would want to play and, you know, in, in the universe of a movie that we had just seen or something. And I would, oh, yeah. you know, in just try to invent something where we could all have a sleepover and play something. Yeah. So yeah. I remember, I remember doing that. I mean, it was still within like the D and D system, but made a campaign based off this book series I was reading that I was super into and none of my friends cared about, but I basically just forced them to do it anyway. That was a good time. Well, we've all been there. I mean, trying to get your friends to be interested in what you're interested in, especially when you're the the game master, like in the context of tabletop role playing or in, in for modern board gaming. I mean, if you're the game owner who's hosting, you know, the game night and trying to mm-hmm. introduce your friends to games. I mean, I think we've all been there of trying to switch your friends on to something that you like and all the resistance that you sometimes encounter there. So mm-hmm. feel your pain. That's that's when I just stopped being friends with those people. <laughs> that's one way. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so so did you like 
have have you tried to publish any video games or how was how has that process been? I know you said you've participated in some game jams and stuff like um yeah, what what's your give us your history of like how did you get from uh having nothing published, doing nothing to like now you have a you have Parks, which is like a board game people are really really excited about. I mean, I was just doing the game jams just for fun, really. I was uh, curious about the process of making video games. I kind of got into it through this piece of software called Game Maker Studio, mm-hmm. which I would I would recommend to anybody who just wants to, you know, make a make a simple video game. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I was just doing that for fun. I had really no aspirations to make video games professionally. Um, Unless, of course, I, I, you know, could find programmers and artists and whatnot that would want mm-hmm. to help me realize my designs. <laughs> yeah. Because my, yeah, I mean, it was always very limited in scope and whatnot. So, but then I, I had, I did try to make some larger video game projects, but, um, you know, I, I would sink about like six months into something and then learn some really hard truths about programming and <laughs> all the mistakes that I'd made on a very fundamental level earlier. Right. On. Would just have to scrap so much, uh, so much work. So, uh, anyways, so, but a lot of this was from like a perspective of, hey, this sounds fun. I'm going to do this, but not from, uh, I got to figure out how to make a living doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, with the video game stuff, definitely. But once I started pitching board games and stuff, I mean, I, I did have aspirations to, you know, to get published and to try to make it work as a, as a career, mm-hmm. which, you know, I heard a lot of, there were a lot of naysayers um, oh, yeah. early, mm. early on telling me oh, that's not really possible and, you know, don't quit your day job kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that annoy you or did you like, well, these people are just trying to, you know, um, I don't know, just telling me the truth as they see it or whatever. I don't know if it annoyed me. I mean, I just didn't, I, I just don't listen very well, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe in general, sure. but specifically to that kind of advice. Uh-huh. Just like, because uh, who knows, you know? Um, right, sure. Some people make it work, and so that was that was a goal. Yeah, early on. But uh, yeah, so you know, I was pitching out a game that was originally called Pirate Land. That was about like a pirate-themed amusement park where there was a kind of a circular island that you would build each mm-hmm. time you played, and there were three pirate ships sailing around the island. And um, it was a game targeted kind of a family audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was pitching that game around and actually just by a stroke of luck, my older brother who lives in Athens, which is the same town that Keymaster Games is based out of, Athens, mm-hmm. Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, my older brother attended one of Keymaster's game nights where they all play each other's prototypes and show uh, what's going on. And yeah. anyways, he just mentioned Pirate Land to them. And then shortly after that, uh, Maddox Schuler, the creative director for Keymaster Games, kind of reached out to me and said they were interested in what I was doing with Pirate Land, and they uh, they signed the game. And then it was through the development process that we realized, oh, we want to move away from from pirates, and what else can we do? And you know, we we changed some things about the game, but it ended up becoming Space Park, which was my first published game, which came out uh, Gen Con 2018, which I think where mm-hmm. I met you, Drew. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you ditched uh, the idea of um, yeah. of pirates for space. Were you, yeah, were you okay it's a little bit that? of a departure. Well, we were exploring all kinds of different options. I mean, at first yeah. it was just they made it clear that they didn't want to go forward with pirates. I mean, and I think rightfully so. I mean, pirates were uh, pretty saturated at the time and mm. as a theme in the board game market. And yeah, I think they wanted something a little different. And I I love like retro futurism, um, mm. that style that invokes the golden era of sci-fi. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I love thinking about like how people from the past viewed the future and how what they got wrong and what they got right. I mean, it's, it really is a fascinating like way to just get into their heads a bit. Yeah. So I kind of pitched that idea to them of like, hey, could we do something with kind of retro rockets and a kind of retro aesthetic to it. But, mm-hmm. um, and they, anyways, they went for that. And, you know, we, we then collaborated on realizing the theme and we brought on a fantastic artist, Brian Miller, who, yeah, then just injected the whole project with a huge dose of his own creativity and mm-hmm. that's kind of where it all landed. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's, uh, can we talk about parks? So this is the new project. 
and Drew and I got to play this at Origins um, mm-hmm. with a different Matt from Keymaster. Uh, yeah. And well, you were dude, talking about game, Maddox. Earlier. Oh, Maddox. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, and holy crap, like the game is beautiful and super unique mechanics into it, too, that I was really about. Um, but I don't know. Tell us about Parks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, glad you guys enjoyed your session at Origins. So, oh, yeah. so at, working on Space Park with Keymaster, one of the things that's fun about working with uh, that that publisher is that they are very uh, nurturing, especially to me as a new designer. They were very much about uh, like meeting with me on a weekly basis and like just keeping me involved in the development process of, of Space Park. I mean, and so as a result, Maddox and I. Uh, you know, we were meeting every week and we kind of had a certain creative rapport going. And mm-hmm. uh, it just so happened that during that time of Space Parks development, uh, the folks at 59 Parks, which is a print and illustration company that does just amazing artwork for the national parks, they they reached out to Keymaster Games and just said, hey, we, we love your stuff, uh, specifically Campy Creatures. I think they're big fans of. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and so they just, I think the idea just came about of like, hey, if you ever want to make a board game using our art, you know, we'd love to collaborate with you and try to make it happen. And then, yeah, Maddox just offered me the opportunity to take a crack at at designing the game. And yeah, I just jumped at the opportunity and it was a a long, um, long process and I'd never done any work like that before where normally my games are like I am originating the idea in some way and then just sure building out on something that i already kind of understand whereas mm-hmm. with this it was a different starting point so i had to under i had to it was a long process for me to really wrap my head around what the game needed to be or what the game wanted to be so at first we were i was trying to design a pure card game that was the kind of constraint that they originally wanted the game to to oh, okay. be designed under so just yeah like a Fit in the tuck it's, a, box. it's a little different now. <laughs> it is, it is. So I had a bunch of these different card game uh, versions. And for anyone who's interested in this, if you go on the Parks uh, Board Game Geek page, you'll see a designer diary post for me that outlines a bunch of these different versions. If you're interested oh, in cool. all the all the early failed yeah, Parks cool. prototypes. <laughs> yeah. um, but at a certain point, uh, Keymaster and 59 Parks decided, okay, what we're going to do is ma- is do a standard playing card deck that involves some of the uh, the great art from 59 Parks. And so what we want from this Parks board game is actually something that's a more robust, fleshed-out strategy game. And it doesn't, it no longer needs to be just a pure card game. Mm-hmm. So when they told me that, I started uh, expanding it. And <laughs> the floodgates were opened. <laughs> yeah, and there were a lot of ideas. Uh, frankly, I mean, along the way, uh, with all these card games that I had attempted, there were a lot of ideas that needed to be shelved or put in the bin just because they were impossible to pull off in a mm-hmm. pure card game environment. Yeah. But, um, you know, I keep a lot of notes throughout my design process. And so that all the documentation actually was really useful to me because I'm kind of able to go back in time and pull out some, sure. uh, some of the ideas that were previously discarded and, um, yeah, think about them in the, in this new context of like a, a full on, full on board game. So, uh, but, you know, really, once I was on this path of making the board game, one of the things that was important to me was just understanding what other types of national park games were were out there. And so I took a while to just do some research. And one of the patterns that I was seeing in some of these games was having the game. The game played out in some ways like traveling between parks, often mm-hmm. over an overworld map, you know, where you're kind of moving from mm-hmm. one point to another and. It seemed like a lot of the game was spent between the parks, traveling oh, okay. between them. Right. And so that was a that was something that I really wanted to avoid in in parks, where I wanted it to be more immersive, more immediate, uh, something like you're you're in the park for the for the game. And mm. uh, it was at that point that I started to realize that the game needed to be about hiking. Mm-hmm. And hiking that was such. I mean, it's it's an obvious thing in, in retrospect uh, to think oh yeah this game about national parks should be about hiking but honestly <laughs> sure once that idea came around it just was the key to unlocking the rest of the whole thing mm. because 
there are so many uh, concepts that hiking suggests immediately, uh, you know, everything from taking photos to camping to, you know, drinking water out of a canteen or whatever. And, and most especially probably this concept of the trail, which yeah. is really the fundamental structure of, of this game. Yeah. And with the trail, I mean, immediately you've got this kind of idea of linearity where, and if you want it to be different every time, you know, you might have, um, like a, a modular kind of line or a line created out of tiles that could be shuffled up and mm-hmm. created each time. And, oh, and maybe you want people to experience different lines of tiles with each session of play. And so, okay, when would be a good time to rearrange all the tiles? Well, ha- you know, maybe we could do something with the seasons and have four different seasons. And so anyways, the point being that all of these, once I was got on the, on the, on the trail, so to speak, of hiking, it's, uh, <laughs> Things started moving moving fast, and yeah, yeah, arrived at the, the kind of the game that you guys uh, got to experience at Origins. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's cool. So, did you um like do you have interest in hiking? Was this was this uh or in in the national parks? Did this um connect with you on any kind of personal level? I'm just kind of I'm curious. I have some experience in national parks, uh, yeah. but not. Not any kind of extensive experience. I mean, uh-huh. for example, in Ohio, uh, which is where I went to college and actually where I was where I was born, I spent a little bit of time in Cuyahoga National Park, Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Yeah. And so I have some experiences in the parks, and I love to walk. I would say, uh, honestly, for me, more so than specifically the national parks, where this game connects with me is that I just I love to walk. As fa- I yeah. mean, if I'm hmm. in the woods or wherever. I mean, I. I I'm very much just like an infinite walker where I'll just go and go. So that's just an activity that I enjoy a lot. So that's where the game really resonates with me personally. It's just this kind of pace of walking and and exploring. Mm. But uh, yeah, just, just casual. Um, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the national parks. I think they're, they're great, but it's not like I've, you know, went on a family road trip as a kid where we visited every park or something (laughs) like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I gotta say, like our well, I mean, my experience with the game, like I said, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I I'm like I really pay attention to just even little design things in games, and like just some of the things of like the way the tiles fit together and the simplicity of the design elements, which I'm assuming like Maddox did a lot of that stuff. Um, but even the art on the cards, like all the national parks art is just out of this world beautiful um you know that unique mechanic which you kind of talked about with the um the linear like almost worker placement kind of thing is unique to me because normally in like a worker placement game where you've got your meeples and you put them on a space to take an action like it's not a linear thing um but in parks it is and if you go too far forward you can't go back and take actions that you've passed really mm-hmm. um and then you know yeah, the, and if you take your time changing. too much too, yeah, like if you if, hold, yeah. if you stay back too far, you're not going to get the thing that you really need to, which yeah. is a nice like balance um, there as well. Dude, and the components are like out of this world. I mean, it's just yeah, it's I'm really all in. nice. You got me. It's that's, uh, that's one of the great things about working with Keymaster. I mean, I have to say is that really I can just trust them to create such a, a, a great product and a great just visually presented game um have a lot of clarity from the design and yeah just create a beautiful object you know hmm. so yeah. I, that's just where I, I just trust them to do the great work that they are known for and yeah maddox uh does a lot of brilliant work in graphic design but you know kyle key who is the founder of of Keymaster, just has a lot of great insights himself and, um, yeah, that, I mean, they really come together to make fantastic stuff. So anyways, I'm, mm. I'm glad that you guys dig it so much. I, I really appreciate how it all came together. And I, part of it is due to, especially the component quality and whatnot. I mean, some of that is due to the Kickstarter campaign and the stretch goals that we were able to reach and all that, mm-hmm. where we were able to really create a, a lavish game. Yeah. Yeah. I think like for me, I, I do like personally identify with the theme in a really like, um, like resonant way, I guess. Cause I grew up hiking a lot with my dad. Um, it's like kind of one of my best memories with him growing up and with my brother, we'd go hiking a lot. Like we, 
we did a three night, four day, you know, backpacking trip through the Grand Tetons once and, um, you know, just different things like that. We hiked the Grand Canyon or part of the Grand Canyon once. And, um, so like all the, the art in this is just so, um, like nostalgic for me in a good way. Um, so I knew like from the minute it was announced, I was like, this is the kind of game that like, just cause the art is, I mean, the art really is superb from, from 59 parks. I mean, those, all those prints are just, they're just beautiful. I, I wish I could buy them all and put them up in my office. Um, but what, what was really fun, was really nice about the game is like, like, cause I hardly ever, I'm one of those kind of guys actually that the theme of a game or like even the artwork, I, I'm, I, I'm never sold on that. You know what I mean? Like I'll see it in a Kickstarter. Like, oh, that looks beautiful, but I, I'm not going to be interested in it until I know if it's like a great game. Um, this parks was the exception. Like I've supported it without having really gotten to play it at all or, or, or knowing whether it was like, fun to play, you know? Uh, but then when we played at Origins, I was, it was really impressed with how much fun it was to play, how balanced it was. Like, so, um, it really is, uh, it really is a well, I think a, a really sharp and well-designed game. It's one of those games that just kind of has, I mean, like, I'm not trying to, uh, yeah, I'm not just saying this cause you're on our podcast, but it's one of those kind of <laughs> games that just kind of has, sure. everything sure. just kind of works, you know, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, would, there's a cohesiveness to it. Like, I, I, I always appreciate when, and we've talked about this before on this podcast with other developers and stuff, when like a mechanic also tells the narrative or like mm -hmm. sinks in with the theme. And that's really what you've done with that hiking thing, like with that linear worker placement, because that, that is also the theme, like you're hiking a trail, you know? Yeah. Um, and that there's just this cohesiveness to the whole game that's like, Boom, that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say, I just kept returning to this concept of, of hiking. And whenever mm -hmm. things felt weird, which they often did during the process of developing the game, I was like, wow, something's feeling a bit off. I would just return to that mantra almost and just try to dial in about, well, mm -hmm. in what way is this not capturing the feeling of hiking? You know, mm -hmm. like for, for one example, um, one thing that I experience walking or hiking is that I'm not always moving at the same pace. You know, if I'm wa like sometimes I'm walking fast yeah. and making a lot of progress and hurrying along, especially in the context of a hike, like maybe I'm trying to reach the next campsite before nightfall. Mm -hmm. But other times I'm I'm stopping and appreciating a scene or I'm taking a photograph or taking something out of my backpack, taking a drink of water. So there's this uh, this rhythm to hiking. Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. one of the things that really came like for for a little while, the game didn't quite have that rhythm. And then the basically having the pair of hikers that you're in control of really allowed for that rhythm to arise naturally, because thinking about what's going on from the perspective of just one of your hikers, it's like sometimes that hiker is moving, but then other times that hiker is hanging out at a spot while the other hiker moves. Mm -hmm. And so from the perspective of each individual uh, character within the game's world, that the rhythm of, of hiking is kind of achieved. So that's just one example. But yeah, I think it's so important to have a core idea that you can just always return to, especially when it's uh, an idea that offers so much in, in by way of associated concepts like like hiking. I mean, it was just such a, a fruitful concept to land upon. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that helped with the with the cohesion overall was just keeping that very simple concept in mind throughout the process. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. We'd like to hear hear about you. Where did you grow up? You said Ohio. Is that right? I was born in Ohio, but okay. uh, my par my parents split up and I was pretty young. And uh, so when I was five, I moved up to Burlington, Vermont, which okay. is where mm. where I went to school, uh, like all through public school. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was where I was playing D and D and, you know, playing tons of video games. And <laughs> what else is there to do in Vermont? I guess. I mean, Eat hike, through the, hike yeah. through the green mountains, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a I'm beautiful area. Cause I've actually never been to Vermont. Oh, Vermont is, is gorgeous. Yeah. It's worth, it? worth making a trip. Yeah. It's incredible. It is but really pretty. Look as good as parks the game. Cause that's now my new standard. <laughs> 
I don't know. Hard to compare, but yeah. they're both pretty, <laughs> I've been, they're both pretty good. I've been to Stowe's. That's the only place in Vermont I've been. Like to like to ski or I didn't get to ski. We went in the summer. So we did some like hiking and stuff. Like we did a um when I was growing up, we did like a, a northeast kind of um yeah, summer vacation where we went to uh we like flew into Boston, spent a couple days in Boston, then we drove up to Vermont and Maine and we stayed a few days in Stowe and we stayed a few days in I want to say Bar Harbor, Maine. So anyway, I just remember Vermont being very very beautiful. Yeah, you're remembering that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so you liked uh, growing up in that area? Yeah, it was great. It was great. I met a lot of just people who I remain close to to this day, I mean mm-hmm. childhood friends who I'm still connected to and um yeah. I haven't been back to Vermont in a, in quite a few years now, but um, I, I really appreciated my time there, and I think yeah. I I had a fun I had a fun childhood, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I try to tap into the feelings that I had as a kid, and the kind of joy and wonderment that I had playing yeah. games, and just how excited I would get about games. And sometimes I just try to keep that room open in my mm. mind, you know, as a place I can yeah. go to. And just check in with myself, you know, when I'm working on things, uh, would would I have gotten excited about this game at, at 8 years old, <laughs> yeah. at 12 years old, at 16 uh-huh. years old? Um, so, yeah, I had a great time there. So, yeah. but after I graduated high school, and, and I'll just mention that I barely graduated high school. I mean, I really <laughs> I really struggled in, in school, uh, partially due to the fact that I was so distracted by games and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. really you know, just in, into Magic the Gathering and into, uh, you know, making my own D&D campaigns We would have gotten along just fine, you and I, I think. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, um, but it was really a source of stress at home sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was oh, not sure. doing my homework. I was getting Between you of, and your mom or you and your dad or both? Me and my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she wanted me to be, you know, passing my classes, which wasn't too much to ask, I think, yeah. looking back. <laughs> That'd be so unreasonable, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, on the, yeah, I mean, on, like, just to give you an example, I mean, on the final day of my senior year, I was just going around for, from teacher to teacher, just trying to turn in stacks of late homework so they would just oh, take, yeah. take mercy on me and let me pass. So, yeah, I ended up, you know, finishing in the, in the 25% of my class that, Allows there to be a, a top seventy five percent. All right, way to go, man! You did it though. I did it. I made it. Yeah, you hang and, that um, home on your wall. You must have gotten some of those teachers to accept that late homework. So, a couple of them. Yeah. Um. So, but then I, you know, I started just. I never thought I was going to go to college. You know, I didn't even take like any of the tests or anything, like all my kind of friends were doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but after I was after I graduated, I started working at, at Ben and Jerry's ice cream shop, which is from Burlington. So, yeah, it was oh. a, kind of a fun place to work. And uh, but my parents basically were saying, hey, we're not going to help you with rent unless you take some classes at community college. Mm. So uh, I started taking classes at the local community college and I Just for that rent money. For the rent money, I really yeah. hated school at this time. It really made no sense to me this idea of I'm going to optionally go to more school and I'm going to pay <laughs> and I'm going to pay for it too. It's like it's yeah, just, totally. It did not make sense. But um, I remember uh, the first the first when I was signing up for classes. First of all, I found that part of it kind of compelling. The fact that I get to choose my classes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is kind of empowering. This feels less like a child prison to me. I yeah. can actually pick what I'm doing. <laughs> and I remember like learning about uh, philosophy just from the course description list of like intro to philosophy. What is this? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it just all of a sudden there was a there was a, a discipline that was concerned with the types of questions that me and my friends would always, you know, get into late night arguments about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh my gosh, are there colors that we haven't discovered yet? They're like out there that <laughs> what would they look like if we ever saw one? Anyway, so. I, I enrolled in that class, and later in that semester, at Thanksgiving, I was up in Montreal visiting my my cousin, and my house got broken into, mm-hmm. and um, all of my stuff got stolen. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was a real pivotal moment in my life because I I had a lot of just gaming gear. I, you know, I had my laptop, I had a big DVD collection. Oh, I, had, I, had, I had all this technology, and I was really wrapped up in all that. 
and it was just cleaned out. I mean, I mm. came back and my back door was crowbarred open and I had Gosh, just brutal. nothing. I yeah. had nothing except for just a stack of, of books, you know, including like my philosophy books. And so I just kind of turned my attention toward that and just got more in, into academics and more into just learning about the world a bit. And hmm. um, then, so yeah, I mean, I really took a break from video games for quite a while. Hmm. And at that time, it just happened to be the case that my um, my stepmom was an advisor at Kent State University in Ohio. Yeah. And kind of the offer came up for me to try to apply apply to Kent and get free tuition there. And I kind of took that chance. And that ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made in my life, hmm. leaving leaving Vermont and going to college out in Ohio. And there I just really fell in love with school. Honestly, I, That's I cool. that's wild. I ended up majoring in, in doing philosophy and doing um, doing math as my majors. And oh, really, geez. <laughs> just a couple easy things. Well, I really wanted to be like a logician or, or somebody who was working kind of at the intersection of philosophy and math, mm. dealing with like foundational issues in, in math and exploring mm. some of the philosophical philosophical topics there. Like, you know, what are the nature of mathematical objects like numbers? and In what sense do they exist? How do we know about them? things like that. Yeah. So I was really on that path uh, for a while and I ended up starting up in a, a graduate program for math. But then at a certain point in there, I, I dropped out after seeing how passionate my, you know, grad, my fellow graduate students in the program were about math. I was just feeling like they were a level or two above mm. me in terms of passion yeah. and, and devotion. Mm. Uh, so I, at that point, dropped out of the program and decided I was really going to commit myself to game design and mm. to making games, which is just what I was most passionate about. So yeah. that really started me on the path that I'm still traveling down now. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's a cool, yeah, cool story. So it sounds like you kind of like, um, you had to get excited or interested in academics on your own terms. Like you had to find something that you were interested in exploring, uh, regardless of whether or not like there was some sort of payout for you. You know, like I think a lot of people would just go to college because they're like, um, want that degree that's going to lead right. to a nice paycheck. You know, right? Totally. Yeah. But it's not, it's interesting because I when I hear you talk, it doesn't sound like that was ever really like something you worried about. No, I mean, I never. I, I was really interested in the subjects themselves. I I didn't even. I mean, I didn't even attend my own graduation or whatever. I, I just <laughs> the, the whole degree, like it was it was unimportant to me. Honestly, it was more about the the classes and just learning mm -hmm. and meeting my the professors and just that aspect of it. Uh, I, I never thought about a job or even about yeah. the, degree, the degree very much. Much to the chagrin of your parents, I would sometimes. <laughs> parents have to worry I'm, about those things. But, yeah. So. I'm not, I think they were just glad I was going to school, you know, oh, <laughs> at a yeah. certain level. Yeah, were, sure. The standard was set low early on. So, <laughs> Well, that was all part of your grand plan is just yeah. set the bar super low and then... They'll accept anything. That's yeah. right. Did Even you... a philosophy degree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's funny when Drew was like, uh, I'm thinking, I don't know how many people go into a philosophy degree wanting to make a bunch of money. That's true. I don't... But do people uh, go into board games trying to make a lot of money yeah, either? Exactly. I mean, I think... Right. I still have a certain uh, disregard for... You know, that Sounds side a bit of life. like a masochist, yeah. but I, I think a lot of people are like really into board games. They're like, oh, I could make money doing this. Um, but they don't. I think the same is true of video. Like, <laughs> well, there are like, so there are with video games for sure. There's a lot of people like, oh, I, and the, you can, you can make a ton of money making video games. But the problem is there's so many people doing it that, oh, yeah. um, yeah, you really got to have some pieces fall into place. But board games have a lot of potential nowadays. I mean, it's just a, I mean, even from a financial perspective, I mean, it's just a burgeoning uh, medium right now that people are really excited about. So, you know, uh, still really it's hard true. to make like a consistent living in it, but but there's at least the possibility there. Um, but uh, so I'm curious, um, did you grow up in a church or anything or is your family religious at all? No. Um, nope. There, I really did not have any religion in my household as a kid. And Burlington is a very secular town. Yeah. I've heard that about Vermont in general. Is that true? I, I can't 
really speak to uh, the religiosity of rural Vermont very right. much. I'm not. I'm not very sure about sure. that. But your but, area felt like there's not churches in every corner like there are here where I live in Nashville. <laughs> you know, there. What there is is there's a lot of kind of new age spirituality mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Burlington. Um, you know, there's a lot of like crystal shops and tarot readers and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then there's also a lot of um, churches with just a very kind of broad and inclusive kind of uh, Christian perspective. Like so there sure. were uni- Unitarian Universalist churches and just things like that that uh, didn't seem ever to be very hardline or very right. uh, committed to specific metaphysical propositions about the nature of the universe or things like it just seemed like a very uh, kind of welcoming atmosphere at these places. And yeah, I, I, I so I, I went to churches a couple of times growing up. Um, actually, I'll, I'll just say that <laughs> I had this book uh, called the beginner's Bible. Uh-huh. It was, I, I read this thing so many times. It was like my really? favorite book as a kid. Yeah. It was given to me by my aunt who, mm-hmm. uh, she, her whole, uh, her my, on my mom's side, and her whole side of the family is uh, quite. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of Christians on mm-hmm. on my mom's side, mm-hmm. and they gave me this beginner's Bible, and yeah, I read it just so much. I remember one of my uh, early memories is going to visit my aunt and them, uh, you know, putting me in in uh, Sunday school for a day, just like mm-hmm. that, and uh, the teacher just asking us all these questions about the Bible. And me just knowing the answers from the, from the beginner's Bible that I so this, just yeah, read so this, backwards and forwards. Was this yeah. an actual Bible or was it like an introduction to the Bible or something? It was a thick like picture book, basically okay. taking you through the the you know the most I guess the stories from the Bible, basically yeah, yeah. the big um, the big pictures the big stories exactly the famous stories, um, but. It was all very mythological to me as a kid and very yeah. um, impressive. You know, I was like, this is uh, in- incredible creativity and whatnot. That was kind of how I regarded it as just a, a really fascinating book of uh, of stories. And so I, I was just intrigued, intrigued by the, the whole thing. But I have to say that growing up in, in Burlington and in my particular household, I didn't necessarily have a concept of how other people regarded the Bible. Sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So you always kind of viewed it as like, oh, this is a really interesting story, and um, you did like you didn't have a concept that some people are like, no, that's the word of God, and and like it's every letter is truth or whatever. Like you didn't even realize that that existed. Not so much. It was just a little off my radar. Sure, didn't didn't, didn't understand that. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I feel like most people. Who, in, who grew up in America have the latter kind of perspective or like, or that's how the Bible is always presented to, to them, you know, which I think then people have to unpack that in a way, but you never did, I guess. So did you like, so did you try any of these other like religion? Like you said, spirituality was kind of a big deal. New age stuff in Vermont and Burlington where you were. Did you try any other churches or, or religious organizations? Well, just by osmosis, really. I mean, I, you know, had mm. there, I've had my, you know, tarot card readings and my palms read and yeah. all kinds of different things, you know, over the years. Uh-huh. Um, did, you, did you ever what, buy into it, or it was always just kind of like, oh, let's go. This could be interesting. Um, I wouldn't say that I bought into it necessarily, but I was, you know, I was open-minded, and I, I would mm-hmm. say my mom. Uh, my mom, who she has returned to, uh, she was she was raised in the Catholic Church and she went to Catholic school and and later mm-hmm. in life now she has returned to Christianity in some capacity. But when I was yeah. growing up, she was more of just an open ended spiritual seeker, I would say. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite memories as a kid was going to um, a place called the Dharma Center in the middle of Vermont that was a uh, basically a home for Buddhist. Um, monks and nuns to live mm-hmm. and practice and we went there one time for a day that was just one of the most special days of my childhood there's a lot of hmm. just silent um, yeah. meditation and walking meditation and the uh you know the monks and nuns cooked uh, a meal for us and we all uh, ate as a big group in total silence together and anyways it was just a a deep experience That's cool yeah 
So I was exposed to some different things, but I wouldn't say that I ever identified as any of these particular um, ways of looking at the universe. It was just had a very open-ended worldview. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously getting into philosophy and these kinds of things, and I mean, even just what you've shared a little bit, you're clearly like thoughtful about this kind of stuff. I mean, you said your mom was kind of this like open-ended spiritual seeker. Was that, you think that's something that was instilled in you of like just this sort of questioning or curiosity is maybe the word. Is that something you feel like kind of came from her or something else? It's a good question. I haven't thought about that exact question, the origin of curiosity. Um, maybe the, na- that'll it, be it, the name of your memoir, the origin <laughs> of curiosity. <laughs> no, that's a plausible, um, hypothesis that it comes from my mom, although yeah. I'm not totally sure, but she's, yeah. she's certainly a curious person. And so that wouldn't surprise me if that's where I get it from. Yeah, sure. My dad though is, um, also a, a very curious man and he, mm-hmm. um, actually was not particularly religious, when I was young, but he is now um, a, a deacon in the Episcopal Church. Hmm. Oh, wow. And he's just a very uh, kind of theologically ed- educated person at this point. And actually, when I was doing my philosophy degree, uh, he lived nearby and we would, you know, have coffee together every Friday. And <laughs> we would just have these real back and forth discussions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because he was training to be a deacon at that point. So yeah. he was always. Uh, reading new stuff and I was in the middle of my philosophy degree. So anyways, we were just ready to talk to each other about, you know, the metaphysical nature of the universe and whatnot. So that was, right. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's cool. So did you ever, I guess you never, did you ever land on any, any kind of like religious perspective or have you like, would you call yourself a Christian or would you call yourself re- religious in any way now? Like where, where have you landed? No, no, I'm, I'm not religious, but I maintain a certain open-ended worldview where I, sure. I kind of live with the knowledge that I don't know the answer to certain questions. And that's a place where, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable being, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I would love to know what we've discovered in a few hundred years from now, you know, mm-hmm. and sure. what all the, uh, artificial intelligence and whatnot that's coming online this century, what, Mm-hmm. All the discoveries that are made on the back of that technology, I would love to know, uh, because I think there's just some gaping holes in our in our knowledge. Yeah. At this point, so I just no, I'm not I'm not a particularly religious person, but I am a kind of still a seeker of peak experiences and uh, my own kind of interpretation of of spirituality, whatever that word really means. But <laughs> I try yeah, yeah. to I. Tr- I try to have a meaningful life and an ethically informed life mm. and, you know, yeah. Um, and, and I do care. I do care about what the, what the truth is about our, our universe, you know, and what, and uh, what it's, what its origin is and what its fundamental nature is. So, yeah. I'm so interested what, in questions, but yeah. So what, uh, what informs you then when it, in terms of like you said, you, you try to live an ethically informed life. I'd be curious of like, what does that look like for you? Like, how do you, educate yourself and inform yourself about how you ought to be living, if that makes sense. Well, I think I am informed in part by some of the great ethical thinkers throughout the, you know, specifically the Western philosophical tradition, which Mm -hmm. is what I'm most training in. I mean, really starting with with Aristotle and the Nicomachean Ethics, which I think is just a incredible ancient treatise that, you know, obviously is, is flawed, but had such uh, deep, offered such deep ethical insights at such yeah. an early time that I think I'm still in That is so wild. Like, you think about how long ago that was and how, I mean, at least for me, it feels so detached and like, I can't even really imagine what life was like then. But to think that there were this, that kind of thinking and those kinds of things that came out of that period of time that still to this day we look at and say like, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's wild to me. Yeah, it's it's an impressive feat of ethical consideration. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I try to just think through topics on my own as much as possible, and um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure where you know where my worldview really arises from if it can even be traced sure. back to a single point. You know, it's just mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Do you feel like there are like values that like core do like a set of core values maybe that informs the work that you do and how you how you live? I'm just curious um, because I know you talked about a lot about like tapping into that childlike sense of of uh, of wonder, but also of like um, just being really um, excited to play games, which I think is really um, I don't know like important for human beings in a way um yeah so are there there values that you you kind of tapped into as you you try to do the work that you do and and how do those guide guide you hmm what can you uh clarify for me like what do you mean by values in this context? sure um yeah uh so like what 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 matters to you about um the life that you live and the work that you do does that make sense hmm yeah, well, the life that I live, I mean, just in terms of basic um, ethics, I, I just think that a lot of the insights of various traditions can be distilled down to basically saying, you know, don't harm, do mm-hmm. help. Yeah. yeah. To put it into four words. That's a bumper sticker. So that's a quote from a, a philosopher at Yale named uh, Shelley Kagan, who I think is pretty uh pretty cool he does work yeah. in practical ethics and um, yeah, yeah we were ready to and, give that slogan to you that you can yeah you could have had it man <laughs> i had to no, i had to give credit where credit's due yeah uh, whether that's a value you know i live my life by. let's mm. that's let's, right that's the ethic have. right there that was ethical <laughs> boom yeah um Less in terms more. of games in terms of the work that i do i mean i i think of games as being um similar to mathematical objects you know mm-hmm. things that are uh, in some ways, out there to be discovered. They're kind of patterns. Uh, they're, they have formal properties. And so to me, I regard myself less as somebody who is inventing or building brand new things, but more somebody who is trying to just scan this abstract realm for interesting things and then report back to, you know, our fellow denizens in the material world saying, yeah. hey, I, I found something interesting out there, guys. <laughs> sure. You know, and yeah. I can tell that to a publisher who can say, oh, yeah, you did, in fact, find something interesting. We're going to make X number of physical instantiations of that and, and <laughs> sell and sell it to to people who want to play with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, that, that's great. So in some ways, I, I think, you know, in, much in the same way that mathemati- many mathematicians feel, you know, when they're doing mathematics, that they are searching for for theorems that are kind of out there and they're sort of true or false. And mm-hmm. it's the job of the mathematician to discover whether a particular claim holds true or not. Um, there's something mind independent about the nature of mathematics where you think even if, you know, there weren't any mathematicians in the universe, the claim that there are infinitely many prime numbers, say, would be true regardless. And right. maybe it would be true regardless of whether there was a universe at all. And um, who knows about that? But I, my point is, I, I regard games in a similar way, and that's kind of how I look at my at my work is mm-hmm. just trying to find interesting things out there, trying to just stub my toe and then look down and say, "Oh, what was that? I just bumped into it." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's an interesting perspective because I think a lot of people who come on the show kind of think, and I don't think a lot of game designers in general too like think they have to come up with some great idea or like some groundbreaking new concept or something. Um, and, uh, what you're saying is like, those ideas are already out there. You just have to like find them. <laughs> I don't know. It feels less intimidating to, to, to frame it that way uh, to me anyway, uh, than Probably to say take like some of the pressure off maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. A really fascinating person and a wonderful mathematician from the 20th century named Paul Erdős. It's a Hungarian, really eccentric guy. Uh, he used to talk about um, God's book mm-hmm. of all the theorems, how God would have, being omniscient, God would understand all of mathematics and thus have all of the theorems with their, with their most elegant proofs written down in this thing that he called the book. You know? yeah. And uh, when he would, he, he was an extremely prolific mathematician and published like over a thousand papers and all this, but whenever he would land on a proof that he thought was, oh, this is it, this is like the most elegant derivation of, of a particular claim, he would say, oh, yeah, this is the book, this is the book proof. You know, this is the one that <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think God probably has written down somewhere. 
So yeah. I'm not sure if it, if it makes things less intimidating or, you know, how it helps or doesn't help. Um, but that's just how I look at the, the task. You know, when I really get down to the details of it, I, I see myself as somebody who is trying to kind of find interesting patterns and structures mm. in this yeah. kind of abstract world where games don't just come into existence and disappear and whatnot. There's a certain sense in which even if there aren't human beings and even if there aren't game designers, like the game of Go, for example, is a kind of a, a pattern, a structure that is waiting to be discovered, you know? And mm-hmm. going back to our point about aliens, I think I think it might have been, I don't know if you guys have seen the AlphaGo documentary on Netflix, but no, highly recommend I? it. Oh, absolutely. You got you to check it out. It's great. Okay. Because uh, it, it goes into Go and about the beauty of the game, and it's also just a great drama of man versus machine and AIs finally being able to take on the top uh, Go champions of the world. But I think it was Frank Lance in that documentary. Frank is the uh, director of the NYU Game Center, but he yeah. said that you know if aliens are out there, they've probably played Go. Actually, I might be misattributing that, that quote to Frank. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. But uh, regardless, that's kind of how I look at all of these all of these games like they're hmm. they're out there they're waiting to be stumbled upon and so in a way it's the job of the game designer just to go out and look around and you'll find lots of stuff and it's not like everything that's out there is equally good and so that's where your your taste and your judgment comes into play because you need to kind yeah. of plant a plant a flag in the right spot and say hey this is the interesting spot out here hmm. Ta- hey everyone take a look here you know yeah. and then you get the validation of whether you were right or wrong but yeah, I dig it. Yeah. So you're not uh, completely out of the woods yet on parks. Like it's not fully out yet, but it will be soon. Um, or do you have a follow-up planned, follow-up project that you're working on? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I also had a game through a, a different publisher named 25th Century Games. Oh, cool. Game is called Game is called Kingswood. That, yeah. Uh, completed its Kickstarter campaign a few months ago. And, oh, right. Uh, Congrats. Yeah, that that is cool. We're excited about that, and we're I'm actually doing some design work on that uh, currently, just to um, do some stuff that was unlocked through stretch goals. You know, we had some yeah. the game is about uh, about different guilds, kind of trying to win the king's favor in this kind of fantasy universe, clearing out the king's wood of of uh, creatures. Mm-hmm. And anyways, we we unlocked some some more guilds and whatnot. So I'm I'm designing those things now. Very cool. But yeah, I have another project with Keymaster that will be um, announced later this year. Can't say too much about it, other than the fact that it's a it's a cooperative game and mm-hmm. it involves dice. And um, it's a game that I'm really uh, really happy about, and I've been working on it for quite a while. So, anyways, looking forward to you know people checking that one out once it's once it's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah very cool. Um, and then uh, so the date on parks i know there will be some copies at gen con when can people yeah when can people expect that i don't know the exact date of the retail release but i want to say you know in the month or two following gen con it should be kind of rolling out because basically the way it the way the process will work is that there will be some advanced copies that have their shipping kind of expedited for the purpose of getting it to gen con yeah Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the copies will be just floating slowly on some sort of barge <laughs> somewhere in the ocean, you know? I don't yeah, understand right. how it all works, but somehow they'll get from there to here, yeah. and um, whenever they arrive, they'll be uh, available for people to check out and play. Yeah, yeah. Great. Cool. Well, uh, like we said, Chris and I both really enjoyed Parks at, uh, yeah, for at sure. Origins. We're excited to... I'm excited to get my Kickstarter copy before too long here, and... Um, yeah, it was just great chatting with you. I really enjoy hearing your perspective about, about games and life and um, mm-hmm. your curiosity and all that kind of stuff is, is uh, super um, super compelling to talk about. So, um, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having me on. And Yeah. Yeah, enjoyed uh, talking with you guys. That was fun. Yeah, for sure. appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, be sure to follow. Uh, well, pe- well, where can people – what's the best way for people to follow your work? Well, I'm, you know, Henry Audubon, basically on all – social media channels. Um, I haven't been that active on social media, but it's one of my kind of intentions for myself to get a little more engaged online. So, uh, yeah, if people want to follow me these days, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to make good of it and, uh, yeah, yeah, 
have it not be not be evil. Hopefully, but <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Show us the way, Henry. Yeah. Lead us, yeah. lead us. Yeah, if you oh, figure man. that out, definitely let us know. <laughs> I'll come back yeah. on and uh, tell yeah. the world from this platform Please. if I ever crack that code. But uh, yeah, I'm Henry Audubon everywhere on Instagram, Twitter. Um, so cool. yeah, follow, follow me there, and uh, certainly follow Keymaster Games uh, to keep you know keep track of yeah. upcoming projects and follow 25th Century Games. Check out Kingswood, Definitely. and uh, yeah, that's that's it for now. Great, great. Well, you can follow us on all the socials. Just search for Love Thy Nerd. When you get to Facebook, you're gonna want to like our Facebook page, but then also you're gonna want to ask to join the Love Thy Nerd community. So just search for Love Thy Nerd community. Ask to join. Once we're sure that you're not a robot, um, I know that may be like offensive to some people, but we don't currently let <laughs> robots in. Um, not yet. But uh, not yet. One day, maybe. Just like the uh, Star Wars Cantina. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Someday. It's, it's the same. It's basically the Someday. same. Uh, the Love Thy Nerd community is pretty similar to Star Wars Cantina. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, if you want to nerd out about nerdy stuff with other nerds online, that's a great place to do it. And uh, we have a whole podcast network uh, through Love Thy Nerd. We have Free Play, which gets into all areas of nerddom and is just a super fun listen. And then we also have The Pull List, which is our comic comic book podcast. So those nerds on that show know a ton about comics and keep you informed and um, also kind of have some deeper dive discussions about the latest happenings, uh, you know, big stories in, 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 uh, in the world of comics. Um, check out our website. We have great articles. We're constantly trying to inform you and educate you about nerd culture and why it matters and how you can engage it in ways that are thoughtful and meaningful and life-giving. So, um... That's about it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Games of Gaming. Bye.